I do not take your defiance lightly. Yes, but surely it was a great victory. With a great loss of many men. Stayapper is dead. No. Yes. The man who has stood since our childhood like a giant oak. He stood with our father, then with us. Now he's been taken in a battle of your making. Sacrificed for your husband's ambition and for yours. No, I, I have no ambition. You seek to be loved by all. Chronicled for your bravery, no matter if it costs the blood of men. That is not true. Yes, it is. You've chosen Mercia over the kingdom of Alfred. I suggest you do not return south for a long time. You should not exile me from Winchester. I fear you would not be welcome there, lady. The widows of these men will not forgive you easily. Still, you may receive adoration in this place, which may be some compensation. None of this was done for anything but love of my country. Come away from this place, Lord King. From Providence, Rhode Island, welcome to The Last Kingdom with Mary and Blake. It's a podcast dedicated to The Last Kingdom on Netflix. So grab an ale, sit back and relax, and let's see how England was born. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. My name is Mary Larson. My name is Blake, and I got to tell you, I love how all this was framed. I just, I love how this all came together, how personal it was made, uh, it just, and the, the the confrontation between Ethel Fled and, and, oh my goodness gracious. It's a lot of issues, man. I am in on it. It's, they're going to need a lot of family therapy, that's for sure. All the therapy. <laughs> Well, of course, before we dive into this episode, we wanted to remind you to hit subscribe on your podcast app of choice. Leave us a rating and review, particularly in the Apple podcast app. Even if you listen on different sources, YouTube, Facebook, a different podcast app, leaving a written review in Apple podcast is the very best way to get new eyes and uh, earbuds on this <laughs> podcast. And as we are about to endeavor into season five of The Last Kingdom, we would love for that, uh, especially much. And make sure you're following Blake and I on all sorts of social medias, in particular Facebook and Instagram. And we want to thank our friends, of course, at jointhenerdclan.com for making all this possible. All right, let's get into the show. This is, of course, season four, episode four of The Last Kingdom. And if you haven't watched it in a little while, what? Got a, a bag of pretzel chips just in frame. Listen, man, it's all good. <laughs> I needed a little snack. No, no, I, it's just funny how those things happen. You don't even see them until you read until they're there. Yes, friends. Uh, and in our synopsis, I did. I had some pretzel chips. 
Fun fact. <laughs> I needed a wee bit of a snack before podcasting. Um, oh, all right, man. so the synopsis for this epi- episode. This is why case, you have to watch the podcast. <laughs> you don't. You actually don't because I look like poo still. Yeah, Mary's still very sick. As I am dealing with. The long COVID. Oh, my God. It is no joke. <laughs> the wicked long COVID. I, I was talking to my, my new therapist this morning. By the way, friends, if you're shopping for a therapist, this is your PSA. Good luck. <laughs> Good luck. The only three options have nothing to do with me. Not, not even close. But the one that I met with today, she tried. And uh, yeah, I just was telling her, I was like, and now this is happening, which I guess is long COVID. So uh, it's a cornucopia. I'll just tell you that. <laughs> cornucopia of suck. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but I'm glad I'm alive. I'm glad I'm alive. Um, all right. So the synopsis for this episode. Everybody's at war. Okay. Everybody goes to some battle. Uhtred pulls some cool maneuvers out of his hoo-ha, and uh, he doesn't have a hoo-ha, but you know what I'm talking about. And you he know, has a woo-ha. Yeah. Not a hoo-ha, but I don't a know. woo-ha. Whatever. They, sure. They do some cool moves, a.k.a. I saw this in the Swiss Family Robinson. You have a pit, and you cover it with sticks, but it works. <laughs> it works, man. You catch a tiger, or you catch some Danes. It works. <laughs> Basically, it's just a big battle, and everyone's mad at their family. Not a great time for a family reunion. Not a great time for a holiday, and it doesn't look like there's any mead on the uh, mead or wine on the field. No, so we're in trouble. No, we're in trouble. We yeah. don't even have Ethelwald's humor to get us through this. <laughs> People die, Knut and Stiapa die. That's yeah. what you need to know. All right, so this was episode uh, four, four. four. Yes, four zero four, directed once again by Sarah O'Gorman. Once again, some fantastic directing from her. And it was written by Jamie Crichton, who has written uh, episodes of Ripper Street, as well as uh, Law & Order UK, Marvin. Law & Order UK. Didn't even know that was a thing. Neither did I, but apparently it is. Uh, another uh, batch of episodes written by was Holby City, and then... Uh, episodes of The Tunnel and one of uh, episode, well, one show that most of you have probably heard of called Grandchester. So, never heard of lots it. of British TV, uh, lots of good stuff like that. Written writer by Jamie Crichton. Marvin, your shields rating. What do you got? How many shields are you giving this bad boy? On a scale of one to five shields, I'm giving this one a four point eight. Okay, uh, that's quite quite a good rating from you. It is. I enjoyed it. All I right. love battles. I guess now and. Um... <laughs> Well, I think there's a specific reason why you liked this battle. We'll get into that in a little bit. Okay. I think there's a specific reason. Uh, anything else you want to say about your shields no. rating? Okay, cool. No. Uh, I'm giving this one a 4.4. Which I, is so low for you. It's, uh, um, well, uh, eh. I, it, uh, <sighs> there's a big problem that happens where if it didn't happen, this episode is much higher than it should be. Or than it would have been. Okay. But there's a big problem that happens towards the end where I'm like, oh, you took you you took a lazy lazy writing out. Yeah, yeah, it was lazy. Okay, and I just I don't like that. Um, so four four. Uh, again, it's I think it's in line with how this season has gone so far, which mm-hmm. is pretty good. Yeah, pretty. I'm not writing home about it quite yet, but it's pretty good. Awesome. Sauce. All right. So what do you got for your GBG? You're good. You're bad, <clears throat> and you're great. All right. So my good is that this episode felt so complex and yet complete 
that it could have actually been a season finale, in my Ooh, opinion. Good one. Good one. Good like, one, I good felt one. really good about it. Yes, there's the little lingerings of like, ooh, what's going to happen to Ethelred? <laughs> you know, but aside from that, it felt it, absolutely. pretty complete. Yeah, and absolutely. so I was shocked to remind myself, oh, yeah, it's only 4.4. And not even 4.5. Not even the mid-season. Now, mind you, if you're breaking things into three acts, which this is uh, uh, this is us, The Last <laughs> Kingdom obviously likes to do, this feels like an ending of this first act. So I yes. get it. But I'm just saying, it felt pretty complete. Uh, my bad, Brita being a slave. Listen, no. I am over the slave route. Not great, okay? Bob. Just nobody wants... Sla- to to deal with slavery nope. anymore, okay? That's so old-fashioned. Kind of out on that now. And we've already been on this long journey of Uhtred being a slave. Brita is pregnant, okay? She should not be a slave, period. That woman is a warrior. Yeah, but you know it ain't gonna last that I mean, long. exactly. No, I'm happy she's <laughs> alive, but I just felt really bad when she was begging him to send her to Ragnar. So it just, it it broke my heart for her. It yeah, wasn't this... anything bad about acting or storyline. Oh, right. I just yeah. felt bad. This feels very much like, uh, you know, Uhtred has done a lot of things that have disappointed Brita and like in ways that we'd never thought that, you know, from which he would recover. I think this is kind of the final straw between them, maybe. <sighs> Depends who you're asking. Yeah, fair and enough. And my great goodbye, Knut Weasley, whose name is actually Knut. Yeah. But we've been naming him Knut this entire time. So <laughs> I'm glad I don't have someone else whose name I misinterpret or misspay. Well, misspay. Misspay. Hey. <laughs> Brain fog. Also part of my condition. Oh, man. Well, you know, we always will have Heston because we've called him Hector. We've called him Hester. Yeah. We've called him... We uh, remix. We, we've called him so many different names that, like, you might as hey, well. you. Just you. Chicken man. <laughs> okay, Blake, what's All your right. GBG? My GBG. Uh, the good. And this is why, Mary, I think that you liked this battle is because it was long, but it was perfectly directed and perfectly written, uh, except for one large, major issue. But it was perfectly directed in okay. that... This battle, while it was long, told a very good story unto itself. There it were did. ups, there were downs, there were big time downs. And then you felt like, oh, all is lost. And then there's the big rescue from Edward. Any battle sequence can't just be, oh, we're cutting and slicing and yay, dead people. It, it has to tell a story. There has, you know, a perfect example of storytelling when it comes to battle scenes is, um, uh, what's it called? Um, the Battle of the Bastards um, from Game of Thrones. You know, there was a sequence of events in that in that story that give you the emotional highs and emotional lows. There, uh, there's the rescuing sequence again. Like, you know, it's a pretty f- templated b- um, storytelling device okay. that you can use. Another great one is um, oh, the big battle in. Um, in uh, the two towers, yeah, you know, uh, just Helm's Deep, mm-hmm. huge battle. Helm's Deep is is thirty or forty minutes unto itself, but there is a flow of how events are pouring out of of that battle sequence. Same thing happens here. Uh, there is a major battle sequence. There, there is like there is a little bit of hope when people are falling into the pit, and then cannot 
forces seem mm-hmm. to overwhelm and then the Welsh are there and then and then Mercia comes in and then there it still seems to get overwhelmed and then the battle um is moved into a personal uh, stasis with Uhtred and Cannot and then Edward shows up and saves the whole day and and it's just a a great through line of how this sequence was moved the problem though is that how the story evolved the re- resolution of that evolution was Knut versus Uhtred and then Brita becoming involved. Mm-hmm. By the way, that's not the issue. The issue was Uhtred sees Brita show up. And this is how I felt the Ethelwald thing would have been resolved. Mm-hmm. Uhtred sees Brita show up. She says, uh, like she's looking at them and, and Uhtred says, this is, pay, you know, repayment for Ragnar. And that catches Brita's eye and her ear. And she's like, whoa. And then it turns into Scooby-Doo. What do you mean? Ragnar says, well, I would have, you know, I had to have him die. He was useless. He was weak, blah, blah, blah. It's like the evil guy explaining his whole plan to Uhtred in the, in the middle of this fight that they're having. And it reminded me of, yeah, and I would have got away with it, too, if it weren't for you pesky kids. Okay. Like, it felt very Scooby-Doo. It felt very forced. It felt very writerly. And it was very lazy, in my opinion. I could appreciate that. I think the way that I saw it, because I didn't see it Scooby-Doo-ish, I saw it as a father in, like, red grief of anger and grief being like why did you kill a kid oh no no that was great yeah i killed i killed ragnar because he was another grown man and all this other stuff was happening but you killed a kid like i saw it in that you know saying these two murders were not equal right but i can appreciate your perspective on that and and that actually kind of mary it's like almost like you're a professional podcaster because that kind of flows into my great which is this is Personal, the whole thing, mm-hmm. the whole battle, all of it. Edward, personal with Ethel fled. Uh, Ethel red, personal with Ethel fled. Um, uh, Wales showing up, being personal, taking their stakes and putting it into the ground and saying, we don't need Wessex. You needed us. Remember that. Uh, Uhtred, personal with, um, with Cannot Weasley and Ragnar. Uh, cannot Weasley personal with Uhtred and killing his kid. They're, the motivations for doing what uh, for what Cannot did personal. Brita personal. All of this is just gorgeously wrapped together. And and as I was saying in previous episodes, you could see the shape of where it was going, mm-hmm. and then you could feel the shape of where it was going, and it culminated in this beautiful like tapestry of motivation and understanding of the stakes it took a lot of plot maneuvering to get there but once you got there you said oh i get it now i see why this is the way that it was and the thing with utrid killing the kids perfect it was just fantastic and for cannot to be so pissed off and so hurt by utrid like making sure he could single him out and mm-hmm. Uhtred making sure that he could single out cannot mm-hmm. all beautiful things. The main problem though, was he t- cannot turned into typical evil guy. I'm going to explain my plan at the end so that 
you know, Brita just happens to see this at this exact point, and I'm going to say everything exactly the way it needs to be said so that there is no confusion yeah. in the middle of this heated battle sequence. Like, I, I love the fact that he's like, you didn't have to kill my kids. Mm-hmm. Like, why would you? What are you doing? Like, mm-hmm. I can see that. I, I get that. I don't get the, well, I needed Ragnar to die. Like, that is just lazy writing to me. And okay. that I don't like. But everything else was fantastic for me. <sighs> Sorry. Like, I'm like, those kind of things. They irk you. Oh, man. Look they just at me. Go, I'm like, oh, totally made sense just, to me. <laughs> it just goes right up my spine. I don't, I don't know tell. why. It goes right up my spine. So, uh, Mary, this was, as you said, I think a closing Mm. chapter, a closing chapter on many older feels from the last kingdom. Um, What's funny too, is we had like an entire nation newly established and brought to us within this chapter. We get the Welsh. Yes. We get a Welsh King. We get this whole different dynamic and yet it didn't feel disjointed. You know, when we get these new people and we're like, who are these people? They're all so new. Like, I feel like the Bebenberg Aladdin, all of his, you know, merry chums. Those are all like random new people that I don't. Yeah, just they just happen to show up. But this Welsh situation. It feels natural. It did. It did. And I really liked how it played out. And I, it was very believable the way that they interacted with Father Pureleg mm-hmm. and how they even interacted with Edward. Um, so even for things that would often bother me, it didn't. Yeah. And I mean, we've now lost uh, Father Bianca. We've lost King Alfred. We've lost Stiapa now. Um I mean, I'm over Stiapa's death. Brutal, brutal death, by the way, from really? Kanat. Oh, he got his head stomped. Like, or he got his head, like, basically sent into freaking We've seen Mars. a lot of, like, brutal deaths, though. Uh, that's true. I'm just so. saying Stiapa got one. I, you know, I haven't felt that connected to Stiapa since he and Uhtred haven't really had a close connection. Agreed, actually, with so, you. So, I know that Edward was sad, but I was kind of like an ethel flood, like, oh, shucks. Yeah, like... I will say that moment of Stiapa's dead. That was built into a moment where I feel like the show was telling me I should be heartbroken about it. Uh, no, I took it as Edwards is heartbroken. Yeah. We've been able to see the kids be raised by Stiapa. Yeah. Um, his presence is always there. I even said to you that Stiapa's had so much presence in this season um, that I was even wondering if the new queen That's right. was actually her son was fathered by Stiapa because he was, you know, oh, we're going to raise him to be a warrior. And I said, wouldn't that be interesting if Edward's just so busy praying and, you know, kinging that actually the the prince is Stiapa's kid? Well, obviously that's not. uh, Very outlander of you, Mary. (laughs) Hashtag spoilers. Um, But it was just, yeah, I I just, um, I just thought that that might be a plot line but obviously it's not he's dead uh yeah and and it very well could still be a plot line by the way um but you're right he is dead yeah and like i uh, i don't care that siap is dead 
yeah, I thought it was I thought it was nice and it was poetic that at, in this episode they do go back to Stiapa once again training Edward in that little fight sequence and Edward says, "Hey, don't let me win, Stiapa. Come on." And he says, "I'm not. I promise." But like, you know, that that harkens back to all the training sequences they had in previous seasons, especially also too with Ethelfled how he was training her uh with the sword fighting and then eventually, you know, I think it's just poetic and it it rhymes very well with what they tried to do. In killing Stiapa, having that sense of, you know, this guy has been here forever, but I definitely did not have a, the reaction that I think it wasn't the like show a Leo Fritsch dying. No. It wasn't, and I felt like that's who Stiapa kind of took um, the place of was the the Saxon warrior that Leo yeah. Fritsch was, and so and Stiapa and. Uther didn't have the bromance. Mm-mm. They didn't have the arsling, you know, yeah. situation going on. But still, it was something. And um, even Finnin, Finnin had several moments with yeah. Stiapa, but I, I haven't. I just haven't had that. So yeah. I know Stiapa's dead. R.I.P. Stiapa. Yeah. But like it sucks. But I guess my whole point is, like, because, no one cares about you, Bianca. Just died last episode, right? We we have this whole thing where it really starts to feel like a transitional moment for the show mm-hmm. uh edward um becoming for edward you know, yeah, yeah it, edward becoming king and doing the whole thing that he does uh having this now what seems to be really antagonistic relationship between edward and ethel fled um utrid's son coming into the picture uh, aladdin coming into the picture we have um Cannot dying, uh, Brita being taken into slavery. Uh, we're, of course, I don't think that's going to last. But like, it yeah. just feels like there's a baton being passed to a newer the cast new of characters, a newer cast of um, people for which for whom the show is going to write. Well, and I think it's interesting too because we're sitting here in Edward in his manhood, right? Like he is making his decisions as a king and he doesn't want to have the influence of his mother, his sister, his father-in-law. But really now he's just lost his own father mm-hmm. and now he's kind of lost like the extra father figure, the uncle, if one may, of Stiapa. Mm-hmm. You know, he doesn't have a grandfather and now the only male presence that he has, the fatherly mm-hmm. male presence is of his father-in-law Phil. who you know we know that father-in-law Phil has his own priorities lined up that he doesn't really care about Edward it's just that he wants to take care of his own family mm-hmm. um so it's just it's just daunting you know and because Edward doesn't have a very close relationship with Uhtred it's not even like he can lean on that as a resource right. so it'll be interesting to see Edward because I kind of see him being a loose cannon right now yeah and the, and I think the best part of all of this for the Edward confrontation aspect is that it is with Ethel fled and the confrontation feels natural. It doesn't feel cooked up. Mm-hmm. It doesn't feel written. It feels like two siblings who are doing what they think is best and they do not see eye to eye. It actually quite reminds me of my sister and I like where it, you know, Neither one is right and neither one is wrong. They are just born of a different ilk. Yeah. And it could it be could it be argued that Ethelfled did what she did to gain glory? Yes. Well, yeah, and especially from Edward's perspective. 
Ethel Fled will see it as a sim- sympathetic and, um, you know, quote unquote, the right thing to do for protecting right. her people and for standing up. But yes, one can see that in a different light. Right. And that's why I'm saying I really like this because – Again, there's no right and there's mm-hmm. no wrong. Mm-hmm. Like, it, I mean, of course there's right and wrong, but like when it comes to how this conflict has been structured, yeah. there's no clear, like, this is the good guy and this is the bad guy. And as frustrated as we, the viewers, might have been with Edward being like, come on, save your sister in Utrid, yeah, you can sit there and appreciate. Edward's perspective. That's what you're saying. Like, there yeah. is no clear thing. Okay. He's got a kingdom to run. We've already had to save Ethel Fled from the Danes before when we tried to send all that silver and do all that stuff. You know, yep. she keeps... She, she, do it once, you know? Yeah. Shame on you. Do it twice. Shame, shame on, on me. me. Yeah. So, and, that, and that's not wrong, by the way. Like, Ethel Fled put her brother into this position where he has to go now yep. and save her. And when I look at that, it's like Ethelflaed. If you just did what I said, we wouldn't have had this issue. I, the other half of that, though, is Ethelflaed's half. Like, mm-hmm. okay, if I don't do it, then all these people are going to die. The Danes are going to come in and ruin Mercia. What am I supposed to do? Mm-hmm. Right? I, yes, you are the king, but like, this is also my kingdom. Mercia here. Like, these are my people. I have to take care of them. Mm-hmm. And that conflict is phenomenal. Because I don't see how this can get resolved easily between the two of them, especially after Edward says, you know what? Do yourself a favor. Don't come to Wesley. Don't like don't come to Winchester anytime soon. Don't come south. Just you stay where you're supposed to be. Mm -hmm. That, especially through the guidance of Phil. Ooh. And but on the other hand, too, like Edward's actions are very presumptuous, right? Mercia has come to save Wessex many times. Mm-hmm. We've seen it throughout this, throughout the run of, of, um, of the last kingdom. Wouldn't it be like, <clears throat> you can see that Edward is taking, um, Ethelfled's loyalty for granted. Like he thinks, well, She's Alfred's daughter. She should be upholding Alfred's vision of England. Mm-hmm. And she's not, right? And that pisses him off. So don't you – doesn't it feel like um, Edward's expected loyalty is a little presumptuous of of Ethelfled or pres- presumptuous of him for Ethelfled? I mean she's the older sibling and she's had a bit more experience in different areas of the world and how these people fight. Like, if you think about it, Edward's just kind of stayed in his little special tower behind all of these walls. And I can appreciate as a pseudo eldest child, I'm the middle child, but my sister is disabled. So I frequently feel like the old eldest. Sometimes you just sit there and you say, I know what's best, little one. Yeah. <laughs> I've 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 been around the world. I've been around Danes. I know how they fight. I know what they're going through. I live in Mercia. It's a very different world in Mercia than Wessex. Mm-hmm. So I can see, I'm not saying she's right. It's that gray area, but yeah. I can see how an eldest child, especially when backed up by her mom, mm-hmm. and she feels like I am doing what dad would have done, I can see why she did what she did. 
Yeah, and, and on the other hand, there's a different interpretation of what her father would have done from mm-hmm. from Edward because mm-hmm. he, Edward himself, has suffered personally from mm-hmm. that that style decision. If you recall, it, Alfred was there at the battle uh, with Uhtred, and he just showed up and did nothing and forced Edward yes. to make a decision. Yes. So you could see how Edward's saying, well, yeah, sure, you think that's what he would have done, but I seen what he would mm-hmm. have done. Like and the the presence of Edward looms heavily on this relationship between yes. the two of them. Two very differing interpretations of how it should have been done. And But then you've got Mama, okay? Yeah. Saying this is what we would have done. So it's a little tough. It is tough. Gray area. It's great. And the gray area is great television. That's yes. what it comes down to. Gray area can leave things open for interpretation. It can leave it can leave situations um, that can be debated by viewers, uh, and and even the characters' interpretation of a situation are subject to our interpretation as a viewer. Okay, right. So you just mixed up my brain, but yes, yes, I just put your brain in a freaking pretzel. Okay, but that's okay. A pretzel chip, one may say. <laughs> so. I just I love how the show has culminated in this in mm-hmm. this direction, mm-hmm. and it is, as you said, Mary. It, it it has closed off I think a lot of loops mm-hmm. from previous seasons, but it has given us a whole new platform on which to build for future seasons. I mean, and even the way that they've now brought in the Welsh and the Scots, yeah, I'm interested to see, like, okay, it's not just Saxons and Danes. Yeah. You know, how is this whole new sparkling, shimmering, splendid new world going to be as we go forward? I'm, I'm pumped for it. Can I just give a moment? I know that we're in this gray area. I know we're not really, like, mourning Stiapa. Mm-hmm. We're done with Canut and Scooby-Doo. <laughs> Scooby-Doo. I need to have a moment for Father Pure Like Now, he is no Father Bianca, but if someone were to get a trophy for Balls of Steel in this oh. episode, oh, yeah. Father Pure Like just walking, just walking on up, okay? Do you, does he have a map? <laughs> does he have a GPS phone? No? Nothing, just showing up. Father Pure Leg, note, has had to walk a lot before. Oh, yeah. This guy must do a great job with constellations and knowing where he's going. <laughs> or he fakes that he doesn't want to go on these tasks, but he actually loves it. Yeah. He's a secret, like, you know, take me to the woods. I love foraging for mushrooms and berries. Finding and- myself. Yeah. He doesn't have a big backpack. <laughs> no, he just... Doesn't just- have a mule carrying stuff. They just, like, just go see the Welsh secretly. <laughs> find your way hopefully there's no ticks because you're walking through a lot of grass and he shows up by himself no ticks oh i hate ticks ticks are the worst yeah that was the other thing my therapist asked me today i'm telling you this one did you get bitten by a tick no she asked me what's your favorite season (laughs) i'm telling you guys the only therapist nowadays was she burning sage as you Uh, were talking she asked me if we do (laughs) okay she asked me if we do. She read my tarot cards. Oh my! She said I got God. the tower today. Okay, I don't even know what that means, but this is what I'm working with. I'm not. I'm not saying bad things about tarot cards. I'm just saying. Yeah. No, I'm in on the tarot I'm card. Scraping the barrel when it comes to. <laughs> she's like, "Does this mean anything to you?" I'm like, "I don't even know, lady. I'm just tired." Okay. Anyway, 
She asked me what my favorite season was. I said winter. Not only do I love the snow and I love that things calm down, but I have a severe hatred of bugs. And I like that I can walk around. There are no bugs in the winter. <laughs> They're all dead. So I was thinking that I noticed that a lot in this season. They've had a lot of long grass shots. And as yeah. someone who lives in New England, where Lyme disease was created. Oh, yeah. Okay. I take that ish seriously. Mm-hmm. Long grass? You don't go around long grass. Stay away from the ticks. Luckily, Father Pureleg wears a light color outfit so he can see ticks <laughs> if they're on his clothing. Hopefully, that's what he did as soon Luckily, as he went to the cover, Welsh covers King his house. legs. Luckily. So he goes on in by himself. All yeah. these guys carrying his balls of steel in a in a <gasps> in a in a freaking wheelbarrow with them. <laughs> and then they say, "Yeah, we'll come, but you got to give us all Everything. of the goodies. We, all the spoils. We want to go on those dead bodies and rip off all the little rings. All and what's what's he going to do? Because he knows that Ethelfled is depending on yeah. somebody to show up. Could and you imagine if Wales did not show? They make him promise on the Bible. Yeah. And he has no choice other than to just say, uh, okay. See, actually, King Edward didn't send me. Yeah. Like... Did he cross his fingers? I mean, because some of this was a lie, and now a Bible's included Yeah, for Father Father Pureleg. It makes you wonder how much time Father Pureleg's got left on this world. Maybe he can join Uhtred's crew. He's a great fighter. He is. Father Warrior. That's That's what we called him originally. I'm I'm balls of steel trophy. Goes to him. Sign him up. Carrying him on a wheelbarrow. Or like stick him with Ethelfled, you know? Yeah, I I think that's probably his place. At least like Aldheim won't be in love with her like father pure like won't be like oh i love you he'll just say yeah. i'm here to protect you i'm really good with an axe yep i'm a great hiker great sense of direction and i'm a natural <laughs> tick repellent <laughs> um speaking of Althelm, yeah there's a great moment where he is supposed to kill ethelfled yes and cannot yes and that is part of the storytelling of the battle scene, right? That that's part of the natural story within mm-hmm. a story. Mm-hmm. At the at, at the lowest of lows, we see Aldhelm with a knife put up against Ethelfled's uh, neck, and at the lowest point of all lows, Edward shows up, and there's you know someone dies. Yes, and he know, saves his and, sister. And he saves his sister. Great. Of course, Aldhelm does say, "You probably should not have chosen me for that job." Yeah, but I kind of think that Ethelfled made the right choice. Okay. What I love about this sequence is not that it exists, although it is great that it does exist. I'm glad that we have that kind of personal relationship between Aldhelm and Ethelfled where you kind of see why she makes the choice that she does. But because it's also put up in contrast against Uhtred and how he can't seem to find it within him to kill Brita before the Welsh take her away as a prize. Mm -hmm. That is exquisite to me. Agreed. Because we have full belief that Uhtred could do something like that, and yet he could not. Yes. And that justifies what Aldhelm could not do as well. Agreed. And I, I love that mirroring because it gives you a crack in Uhtred that doesn't necessarily exist. You know, it, it, that, well, no, it does exist that we don't necessarily see often. Um, really good stuff there. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's funny that he suggests that for Ethelfled, but couldn't do it for Brita. Like, it's, could he have done that for Ethelfled? That's a good question. Like, if it, you take out Aldhelm, 
put Uhtred Let's there. be real. Uhtred is a sucker for love, and he loves both of these women. He couldn't do it for either. <sighs> I don't think he could do it for either. That's good. That's that's a good one. He's that's romantic. Um, we have uh, Erdwolf and uh, and <sighs> the the sister. The Edith, redhead. Edith. And the, the Aslicker. Aslicker. Okay. We have Edith and Aslicka. Who are like, oh my God, now it's our time to run. Let's run away. Oh, his head is chopped up. Maybe we don't need to run away. Right. At that last moment, we see that Ethel mm. Red has come back. He's got a boo-boo. And he's got a big boo-boo. Like, it's almost like you see brain. Pretty much. Mm. Like, he took Don't a- go near your bread, your predator bird, I'll tell you what. I know. That predator bird's going to be all over that. I wonder yeah. if he dies by bird. No. Like the bird comes in and just the bird has bird not up. been used enough <laughs> to be worthy of that. But will this change his personality? You know, sometimes when people have brain injuries, it changes things about them. Yeah. Um, will he now be nice? Will he not? I mean, we got to see, oh, Elder, the what was his name? Uh, Leah Fritch's original boss, Ada. 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 Yep. You know, kind of messed him up. Messed him up a little bit. Um, all right, here's an early Destined to be Theory of the Week prediction for you. Mm. Ethelred croaks. He absolutely dies. I would love for him to kind of go mad. I would love... With his bird. I really want his bird to have a purpose. Like the mad king with his predator bird. Like this makes him even crazier. Hmm. Kind of like the mad king. Yeah. Hey, I'll, I'll go with that one. I'll I'll co-sign on that. Otherwise, just let him die right away. Maybe he does. No, he should. If you if he's gonna die in episode four or five, he should have just died in episode four or four. Right, I don't so, need a cliffhanger of like, oh no, will yeah, he live? Yeah. All right. So that's there, make there are, this wound worth it. There are two avenues that can that can happen here. They obviously didn't let him die for a specific reason. Something has to happen, right? Because he doesn't die. He has to, something has to come of his injury, right? So one, his injury uh, allows allows for a Mad King type scenario. I'm here for it. I'm here for that too. Because what that will do to Ethelfled yes. and Uhtred and how they, perhaps this is the, the, the remainder of the season, right? Perhaps they have to fight Ethelred to, you know, mm-hmm. save mercy or whatever. Mm-hmm. The opposite can be true too, right? Perhaps Ethelred is left on his deathbed. Perhaps he's going to die and he recognizes, oh my God, what have I done here? I've done a lot of bad stuff. Mm -hmm. And if I had just done what I was supposed to do, none of this would have happened. Like the, the Danes would have never taken over Mercia. The Danes wouldn't be in the position that they were in to put us in at, at, at Tettenham or Tettenhall, whatever the name of the place is. The place with the hole. Um, none, Ethelred, Ethelfled would have been safe and more than likely Uhtred probably would have died in Debenberg because he would have kept going and not been in a place where he felt like he had to save Ethelfled. Like all of these things would have been solved and maybe he finally recognizes that before he dies. Hmm. And then part of my, Another part of my destined to be theory of the week is that he does die. God, you. This is long. Take notes. Is that he does die, and that leaves a major power vacuum for who's going to be left in charge of Mercia. It's called Ethelfled. Well, yeah, Ethelfled. But the problem is that she's got her hands full with Edward. 
Mm-hmm. And because we have Aslicker and Edith, mm-hmm. those two are going to be involved in this situation as well. And she's going to need Uhtred. To Particularly take- if Edith gets knocked up. Like if Edith's pregnant. <sighs> That's a good question. But they're not married. Yeah. So I don't think that. I don't think that. Or is she technically. Yeah. So I, I think I think Ethelfled calls on Uhtred to step in as leader of Mercia. Shocking. That's my guess. That's my guess. Because she That's needs her easy help. button. Well, yeah. Uh, yeah. But if Ethelred dies, she can publicly be with Uhtred and not have to worry that she's committing adultery. But then that does call into question, does she want to be publicly with Uhtred? I mean, that would piss her brother off. She doesn't care. She's the oldest child. She doesn't care what her brother, baby brother, thinks. Yeah, but she does have to think about Mercia as a whole. Yeah, and she might like to have Uhtred. I don't know. I just think that Athelfled <laughs> is down for the pagans. She's down. For, print me like a pagan. Yes. Yep, she is She is in on that, in on that life. Um, one last thing is Phil... Talking to his daughter. Okay, so oh. the father-in-law of Edward. Oh man, Phil talking to his daughter and being like, "Listen, you got to like pick it up. Get okay. your get your husband's attention and have another baby. Go to Victoria's Secret and figure that out because we need like I. He's like, I didn't come all this way to be uh like what did he say? I didn't come all this way to like lose to a widow or something like that. Like, ooh, watch out for him. That guy, Phil. Phil's no good. He is. That no Phil good. would throw his daughter underneath a train if, if it meant that he, he has. And he told her that Edward's real wife is yeah. seeing her son and that the queen's doing it. So he knows the truth. Yeah. So this will also be interesting to see how this turns out, uh, especially given what we know about Ethelstan and where he's Ethelstan. Ethelstan is the is the bastard son from Edwin. Oh, from Alfred. He's the no, no, guy Alfred that is named from, uh, is the Edward. is the future king. Yeah, he's okay, the future king. Okay, we need to call him future, future king. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. Okay, future thank king Ethelstan. So, uh, so that is that. Marvin, you got anything else about this episode that you no, like to chat about? I enjoyed about? it greatly. Actually, I did too. Except you gave it a four point four. But because of Scooby Doo, you literally brought it down point six of a point because of one yes, conversation. Because the death of Canut is solely based on a Scooby Doo style Your, admittance. You know, admission. Can, we just can't. Um, we just can't have validity in your ratings. That's all. What? No, there's perfect validity to it. It's just how much you're willing to accept it. Okay. See interpretation. All right, wrap it up. <laughs> oh, you know what? That's what she said. <laughs> <sighs> all right, let's close this bad boy out, please, shall we? Let's please do. It. do. I just want to say, Mary. What? You're a soldier. You are a soldier. Just I am Father Pierleg. Just ripping through these freaking podcasts when you're sick as a oh dog. My God. I'm so, so proud of you. Sick. <laughs> just uh, firing through these, pushing through. I'm so sick. I'm talking to like a witch to sage my house <laughs> to make me better. <laughs> Send me a Brita. <laughs> you need like the ram's head on a stick. Yeah, yeah that's what you need. <laughs> Like you have skate in the background going, ah, you know, yes. like, 
Yes. <laughs> Drinking blood and stuff. No, and Mary's I'm not, just, I'm not at that level. She's just dying. Oh my gosh. <laughs> All right, friends. <laughs> I do this for you. I do this for you, listeners. You don't want glory, Mary. You're just like Ethel Fled. This is no. This is for your Ethel people. Fled is like 100 percent a Gryffindor. Oh yeah. She's my peeps. Would you say Edward's a Hufflepuff? I don't know what Edward is yet. I haven't been able to analyze enough of his character. I don't yeah. think he's a Hufflepuff actually at all. What do you? Th- why don't you think he's? No. He ain't a Ravenclaw. I don't think he's a Slytherin either. I don't know. The jury is out. I will get back to you. And you know, the, the funny thing is, is I that spent a little bit more time with him. I think the writing is such that you don't have enough information yet about him. That's what I just said. No, no, no. I'm saying, like, <laughs> I'm saying is the the kind of character he is is not fully defined, and that might be a problem for him. Yeah, I just said that. <laughs> Never mind. You're not <laughs> you're not picking up what I'm putting no, down. No, you're saying outside of the Harry Potter Hogwarts house context, this is a big deal that we don't know enough about Edward. Yeah, you should know yes, more about I know, him. You I should know, have like, a greater understanding of his character. I appreciate what you're saying. Because <laughs> you do have that for Ethel If I can't sort you into your Hogwarts house, you, I don't know enough about you're you. You're not worthy. You are not worthy. <laughs> Of being someone that I cry over your death. Stiapa, no idea. Yeah. No tears just, shed for you. You, you were just there. Correct. <laughs> like I, I've said this a thousand times, and I'll say it a thousand times until I die. If you can't tell me about a character without giving me their name, what they look like, or what they do, you've got a problem. That's a big problem, and I think that Edward may fall into that category right now. Agreed, Blake. Wait, I'm done, Blake. <laughs> okay. All right, Mary. <laughs> well then, Mary. Fair enough. Close it out. My name is Mary. My name is Blake. Destiny is all. You've worked hard for what you have. Your money, your assets, your 401k, and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com aware. Terms apply.